Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today is Tuesday, October 6th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 377 featuring Boston Globe Celtics beat writer Adam Himmelsbach is powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today for your free sign-up bonus. All right, everyone, here we go. Another new edition of Celtics Beat on a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, our producer, fill-in host as well, joining us as he has been throughout the pandemic. And, boy, from one uh, longtime Boston Globe scribe to another, it was Bob Ryan last week and Adam Himmelsbach, who I'm sure is uh, always happy to be in that conversation. How are you, buddy? I'm honored to be in any Bob Ryan conversation, but I'm not, I don't nearly have the uh, longtime scribe moniker uh that he has earned over his over his uh lengthy career yeah no we could we could go on for for hours if not days about uh all of bob's achievements matter of fact i mean completely unrelated to everything that we're going to talk about but it is celtics related my uh my kids my eight-year-old especially as you know as they've gotten older and have really become sports fans not just kind of following along and hey like what's dad up to they've become sports fans and trying to teach them a little bit about NBA history and so there's there's a real fascination in my house now with Larry Bird and so the first you know non-kids book if you will that I've been reading to my son at bedtime is Bob Ryan's drive book with Larry Bird nice so I got a copy of it at my bookshelf over here he's into it the one thing I want to the one thing I'll say though in terms of other accolades for for Bob Ryan and uh, Adam pointed this out sort of pre-show Bob Ryan actually has books on his bookshelf (laughs) <laughs> when you go into his office, besides the DVDs you got going on back there, so this is another just a uh, feather in Bob's cap, just real quick. Yeah, if anybody watched, you know, watched the show last week as opposed to just listening to the regular podcast audio version, that was, and I'll, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, the guy is is a journalist. He has made his career as a writer, but that is a crazy number of books. I wonder if he's read them all. I should have asked him. <laughs> I, I would bet yes. I would yeah, bet I yes, would. too. I remember right, I did like a, I did a podcast with him back in my podcast days years ago. I was like a podcast OG, and then I just flamed out. But uh, <laughs> I remember asking him. I, well, we did it at his house, and I remember asking about his books. And I said like, "What?" I said something like, "What are your favorite books, or what's a what's an important book?" And he said, "Lonesome Dove" was like, was his answer. <laughs> I've never read Lonesome Dove, but I still feel like I owe it to Bob to read Lonesome Dove. So anybody who's watching this, go read Lonesome Dove. Yeah, and there's there's that one book, too, that Brad always talks about, right, that's effectively about, you know, being a life coach, essentially. Those are all Brad's books about yeah. life coaching. And- I can't think of the one, but the, I feel like there's one that he's referenced a few times. Doesn't But speaking of Brad, speaking of Bob, speaking of, you know, Larry Bird, anything and everything Celtics, let's fix the Celtics, Adam, because as we know, I mean, there are only two teams that are still playing in the bubble right now, and we are talking right now just ahead of game four of the finals. Nice to see Miami actually. I'm not going to say wake up because I don't think they were ever asleep. They were just dominated throughout, obviously, game one and the injuries. Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic played into that. Game two put up more of a fight, still fell short. Game three, Jimmy Butler goes off, has an historic performance. They win, so hopefully game four they can even it up and, and continue to make it a series. And we could talk about that a little bit later, but there are only two teams in the NBA. that are still going Celtics. They're one of the final four. Once again, third time in four years, how does this team and Danny Ainge spoke just days ago, go from, you know, where they've been, which is 
good. I mean, they're not a bad team by any stretch to where they want to be, which is obviously a, a team that is playing in the NBA finals and not just playing in the NBA finals, but legitimately has a hope to contend because I think even if they had beaten the heat, they'd still be getting the doors blown off probably by the Lakers. I think I, I would ascend it even from good to like, they're a really good team. Like they're not just like, Oh, they're fine. But they're you know, like the Celtics are really, really good to make the conference finals three times in four years, two of those years, they did, were missing an all-star point guard, either Kyrie or Isaiah. Um, this year to be within two games of two wins of making it to the finals. Like obviously they want to take that next step and Danny Ainge is going to look for ways to take that next step, but it's hard. Like people feel like you can just be like, Oh, they, you know, they got to do make these two changes and, and then look, finally win it. Like, there's a reason they won what once in like 32 years or something like that. Like it's hard. And, and Danny yeah. knows that better than anyone. Having said that, like, are there tweaks they're going to look to make? And are there some changes the, the the best news for them to take out of this year? I think is Jason Tatum's ascension at the start of this year. We didn't know that Jason Tatum was a superstar rising superstar caliber player, all NBA player. Um, could easily have been second team all NBA as a 22 year old in his third year. Like that's a pretty big deal. So now you have like that building block that a foundation piece that you didn't necessarily know. Like when he was playing alongside Kyrie, you didn't necessarily know Tatum could or would become that. I'm not saying he's going to end up being like a top three player. He might not, he might take a dip next season, but at least you can see it. And very few teams, you talk about making the changes you need. Like, it's hard to have a centerpiece guy, and you need one. You cannot win a title without one. But he's a guy that can fit in that mold potentially. So I think that's, like, the best takeaway uh, if you're going to look optimistically. If you're looking at where they need to get better, like, it's, you know, it's pretty obvious. Like, they had four guys in the top ten in the NBA minutes played in the playoffs. Like, that's not really sustainable. They needed more help on the bench. It was obvious Brad did not trust the bench. Um, you know, they need an upgrade there. They need to find shooting. They need to find scoring. It's, you know, or potentially one of these younger players develops. You know, that, that's obviously their hope. But it was pretty glaring based on the way Brad used these rotations that he did not have faith beyond his core guys. And obviously that was even with Gordon Hayward out. I guess the logical question, though, and we got into this a lot with Bob and we got his thoughts, but obviously I want yours as well. You know, there are only so many options, really, that Danny Ainge has because of just the economic setup of this roster. You know, it's very top heavy salary cap wise. Young guys, you know, you can. All right, fine. So you don't bring back like an Ennis Cantor, not a young guy, but a cheap guy. You know, that's that's not going to give you all that much flexibility. So it's really do you want to trade Marcus Smart, which I don't think anybody wants to do, or do you want to move off of Gordon Hayward in some way, shape, or form? Now, he has the power, which is opt-in for that 30-floor-plus million dollars next year, or he could opt out, do what everyone thought was going to happen with Al Horford last year, which is re-sign him you know, more years, lower AAV, average annual value, or, um, you know, option three is obviously you trade the guy. I don't think there's a scenario in which he just opts out and doesn't return. I don't believe that anyway, coming off the injury. Maybe if he had had a, a strong, healthy season and, and great playoff run, sure, but that wasn't the reality. So it's it's kind of A, B, and C with Gordon, but, you know, Brown, who was just resigned, isn't going anywhere. Tatum's going to get his contract. Kemba's not going anywhere. So it's sort of adjust, you know, your, your salary cap position as a result to Hayward, or you kind of bring back everybody and you just look to – cherry pick some depth off that bench like you're talking about right or or is there something I'm missing yeah no I mean and that's the other part of it is in we mentioned Tatum pretty extensively Jalen Brown has also shown he can be a foundational second piece Mm -hmm. here's a guy who's he's turning 24 I think in like two weeks um to have another player like that who and let's face it the Celtics are pretty fortunate like the extension they gave him he would be worth a little more right now. Like mm-hmm. if, if, if yeah. he was going into like restricted free agency. Um, so in addition to those guys being pieces, you hope and assume they're both going to get better. Like Kemba is what Kemba is, which is, you know, an all-star starter is really good. Obviously you have concerns about his knee. Hopefully that clears up, but 
with Tatum and Jalen, there's still some, there's still a new level there. You think uh, if you're, if you're a Celtics fan, you hope. Um, so maybe that's what it takes to kind of get over the hump. And you talk about Hayward, obviously I know fans are kind of disenchanted with him. He's had some just brutal luck, really. Like, it's not like these injuries he's suffering because he's like frail or like, you know, like just, just brutal, brutal luck. Mm-hmm. But this year when he was healthy, like last year when he was healthy, he was still not himself. It was clear. Um, this year when he was healthy, he looked really good. He was one of the best players. And I think it was encouraging. Um, if you, there aren't a lot of Gordon Haywards out there. We talk about like moving off of Gordon Hayward. Like if he's back and playing like he's capable of, that's a pretty big asset to have, particularly if you're putting him alongside guys like Jason and Jalen who are still on their uptrend. Right. The thing with Gordon, though, is, and I mentioned this to Bob last week, is, you know, emotionally, like, we all feel for Gordon Hayward, like, as a fan. Like, I, I want him to succeed, you know, after the way things started, to have him kind of climb all the way back would be incredible, right? However, we have, a, we have a sample size of decent data that says that Gordon, for some reason or other, like, can't stay healthy. And this, like, wasn't really the case in Utah. He was amazing in Utah. Durable was the center point of their offense, et cetera. Now it's something completely different. And the one thing with, with, with Danny is we know he's not afraid to trade anybody. The Isaiah Thomas example will always linger around because it was a, a deal that Danny made because he saw a way to get better. And, you know, as much as we all love Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving was, I think, a little better of a player than Isaiah Thomas at that particular point. And I think he's better now. However, we know Danny's not going to be, you know, be emotional about the stuff. He knows that he has to make improvements. And Gordon's contract kind of gives them a way to grab – someone who, again, might not be a, an amazing talent anymore, but someone that's got a really high price contract. Do you see in any, any way, uh, Adam, that they use con- the, uh, uh, Hayward's contract as a way to maybe grab some other big contract that, that might fit better with this team? I'm just – the Gordon Hayward dilemma seems like one that's going to linger over this team until the season starts. Yeah, I mean, there's that's the other part of it. I mean, there's a reason trades are so infrequent that you need a trade partner and a willing – trade partner like Danny talks about it every time after the trade deadline he's like look yeah. like there's deals I wanted to make guys but you forget there's a, another team that has to say yes um, <laughs> but I think honestly they're still high on Gordon um, I think they see the value he brings beyond you know Brad's longtime relationship with him and all that type of stuff they see the value he brings and they believe in him um, and they feel like he's an essential piece to what they're trying to do um, so obviously this would be an important offseason for him to uh, you know Obviously, his ankle shouldn't linger. That's not, you know, it was a sprained ankle. It was a bad sprained ankle that he needed a few more weeks on. But it shouldn't be something that whenever next season starts, which is going to be months from now, um, that is still an issue. So my feeling is, and, you know, they might feel otherwise, but the sense I've gotten from the organization is they still are, are big Gordon guys, and they want to make this work with Gordon Hayward. So something that I've been thinking about, and you and I have disagreed plenty, so do not hesitate to tell me if this is stupid. I don't, you know. It's that's, stupid, it's, I'll tell you. <laughs> it, pro- it probably is, right off yeah. the hop. Something I've been thinking about, maybe I've just been trying to convince myself of this, is, you know, workshopping a take or whatever the hell, but I haven't put it out on Twitter yet. I will. I just haven't gotten around to it. Is And and before it even comes out as some sort of a, a homer take, I really don't think it's that at all because I'm going to explain myself. What a disclaimer this is. I know. Yeah. It, re- it really is. I think you can make an argument that losing in the conference finals to the heat was actually better than falling in the finals to the Lakers. Here's why. And again, tell me if it's stupid next year. Stupid. I know there. Yeah, I know. Like not making it to the finals. Good thing. Right? No, it's like the, it's, it's the people that make that argument. Well, Joe Montana only went to four super bowls, but he won them all. Tom Brady's been to nine, but he fell three times. So obviously Montana's better. Same kind of stupid thing. I get it. Here's where I'm coming from on this. Bucks presumably are going to be better next year because they don't want Giannis to go. They're going to give him something else to work with there in that lineup. I think the Heat continue to be on the rise. They're young. They're talented. They're very good. Raptors, maybe they'll be comparable. Maybe they'll be better. Certainly the Nets project to be better. Sixers, I think, with Doc should be better than, you know, they were under Brett Brown. There's a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas possibly in here as well. I think that if the Celtics beat the Heat – which was a very winnable series. I'm not going to say they choked. A lot of people think they did. I think the Heat were just better. But if they go to the finals and presumably lose to the Lakers, everyone probably would have expected that. 
you could still, and maybe just Danny Ainge is built this way, but you could still get some sort of a false sense of security about where you stack up in the conference and how good you are. If you continue to make those positive steps, you reach the NBA finals, Danny might be inclined to say, all right, we were just about there. We fell short. LeBron, AD, let's run it back. Whereas you fall in a series that a lot of people, most people look at as a, a missed opportunity in losing to the Heat when Milwaukee was knocked out, you're in a position to say, all right, we got to reassess. We're clearly missing a piece. Like Danny said the other day, I learned that we're not good enough. That's where I'm coming from with that take. But I guess it, it's, it's really more a function of do you think Danny Ainge is wired that way or did it, that series outcome doesn't even matter to him? Yeah, I mean, he's always looking for ways to get better. I think I hear where you're coming from on your side. I think I think having Tatum and Jalen have finals experience would be would outweigh what you're talking about now. I think there would have been great value in that. And look, like if they got to the finals, like this Lakers team's really good, but they're not like the seventy three win Warriors. Like you look sure. out in the court and J.R. Smith's out there, like <laughs> Alex Crusoe. Like, they're really good. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. I don't think it's absurd to think. Yeah, that, they're not a juggernaut. Yeah, I don't think it's absurd to think the Celtics could have beat them. And we saw they came to the Garden and the Celtics threw the doors off of this team. Um, but I, I hear what you're saying. I think the, the issue is, like, kind of like we were talking about earlier, there aren't a whole lot, whole lot of ways to make big improvements given on where this team is set up. Um, you know, they're well over the cap. They have guys under contract at um, important positions, important salaries kind of throughout the roster. Um, I don't think Danny will now step back and say, oh, gosh, like, we're so close. We need to make wholesale changes right now. I think the other part of it is you look back and say, hey, we're pretty close. You know, we were two wins from being in the NBA finals. If, if Gordon never got hurt and is healthy, I, I think, there's a really good chance because look, he missed the first two games, which they lost. Then he came back and wasn't himself. He played well in that third game, gave everyone hope, even though it was like a six point four assist, three rebound game. He played well, mm-hmm. um, but and then in the next few, he struggled, and it was it was pretty obvious. But if he's healthy, I think that's a different series too. So I, again, I don't. I think it's more of and I and I know I know fans like that's like oh we we want championships one fix this. This team's not good enough. Like I did a report card over the past few days or last week and gave guys grades. And then the amount of emails I got of fans that are mad that I gave guys like hot, like I gave guys like bees. Fans are furious. <laughs> that. Like I got emails. I'm like, what? I'm like, How dare you? And I, and I get that like in that moment, you just saw your team lose and you're thinking about winning potentially a championship. I get that. But I think the one thing that, um, not the one thing. One of the good things with Danny is he's able to step back and see things through like a larger prism. Well, maybe the main question we should be asking then is let's accept or assume, maybe accept's not the right word, but let's assume that those higher price guys in the Celtics roster return next year. Gordon comes back, the you know, your your main core, your main pieces, your whatever fancy name everybody gave for the for that best five or whatever. That was the fancy name, the best five. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So the the you know the hashtag best five all return next year. How do you upgrade this bench short of just saying, all right, well we think Robert Williams if he stays healthy is going to be better and Grant Williams is is going to continue to grow and Romeo Langford's going to be healthy. I mean, where are you going out? Do you have any names in mind whether it's something that you've heard or just something you think is a good idea that you know, would give them the either veteran depth or obviously shooting depth. They still don't have that, that shooter, that shooter in the same way the heat have shooters. Celtics don't have that shooter. How do they bring in guys like that to, you know, round out this team basically? Yeah. Like I said, the options are going to be limited. They'll, they'll have the mid-level exception, which is a little over 5 million a year, but you can get like, you can get a good, like come off the bench veteran shooter with that. Um, they have these draft picks that you can either look for another guy, like the 14th pick is somewhere where when you saw with Tyler Hero, like what was he picked? 12th? 13th. So close to the Celtics. 13th. 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 Right before Romeo. Yeah. Um, Like that's a spot where you can get a contributor. If you look at the draft as a rookie, I don't know, you know, if they're going to try to package those picks and move up. Danny was actually somewhat revealing 
he doesn't reveal anything in these end of season press conferences, but I thought that was one interesting answer he gave when he talked about the draft. And he said, we've always, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said, look, we've always taken the best player available because that's what you do. You don't worry about what positions you need. And he said, but this year um, we might look at that. We might look at drafting for need, um, which he doesn't really ever talk about. And you have to think he's talking about shooting mm-hmm. um, if it comes to that. So Yeah, there's, there's a, there's, they already had Desmond Bain in from TCU for an interview, I guess. And, and from you know what I've watched and what I've read from other people, it seems like Bain is uh, a high motor guy that can spread, spread the floor a little bit. I know everybody wants Aaron Neesmith from uh, Vanderbilt because he could just shoot the shit out of the ball all over the place. His, his chart is unbelievable. He's a guy that's attractive. If they could find a way to get Devin Vassell out of Florida State, that's another guy that can make an impact as a 3 and D guy right away. Um, but I kind of like Danny's Valenti, mantra. Valenti got the scouting reports. Valenti's a college scout. Look, Right. Not really, not really, man. I actually, you know, I, I get a lot of it from uh, Westerholm, who I just read a lot of, so I'll just do a pump up. <laughs> I was going to say, he's just time. waiting for Westerholm and, and KOC to put out their uh, – Oh, their OC's good. Logs. But, I, you know, to already get ready for Westerholm on a, in a podcast, like I watched a, a little bit of tape, and, you know, there's some guys out there that are interesting. Um, but there's also, like, guys in the team in terms of internal improvements that I think Boston's looking at. I mean, you know, not everybody's going to make the Jason Tatum leap, like, mid-season where he goes from – uh, you know, what, I don't know what he was averaging before the leap in January, but it was probably like 20 points a game or whatever it was. Maybe it was 18, somewhere in there. Then he becomes a sec- like a third-team All-NBA guy in January as soon as he announces an All-Star, and all of a sudden he takes off. Jalen Brown had a terrific offseason and became probably the most consistent player in the Celtics from start to finish, mm-hmm. whether you want to include the playoffs or not. Um, so I guess the question I have for Adam would be, if you had to pick a guy in terms of this guy, if this guy were to take a leap – yeah this team would look a lot different. Which guy – I mean, I think you can narrow it down to Langford and both Williamses. And if you want to throw Carson Edwards in there, uh, just for the shooting aspect, I guess you can do that. But, like, which guy of the young guys, if it took a, a big leap, would would be the most impactful, in your opinion? Yeah. Once you were saying that, Romeo was the first guy that popped yeah. to mind. Um, Rob has kind of shown us, like, what he can be. Um, he needs to do it more consistently. He needs to – become more familiar and and comfortable with the schemes they're running. Um, But we've kind of seen, like, all right, when Rob's going, this is what Rob looks like. Romeo, again, another guy that's just been snake-bitten by injuries, but is super young. They obviously felt good enough about him to take him that high. He fits, like, Brad already showed trust in him as a defender in, like, important situations. He would throw him out there um, and say, go guard. And, And they felt good about how he did it. He still needs to work on his shot. Like, you would hit one three, and everyone would say, oh, look at his improved shot. Then he would miss four in a row. Um, but he's kind. a guy who has the – like, he's 20 years old. He already has, like, the NBA body. He has NBA athleticism. Like, he's a guy you could see. Again, it's hard to project. Like, that's what's – we talk about the draft. Like, they're, they're kind of due, it feels like. I don't know how they're going to use these picks. But they haven't had, like – a pick hit for a while. Yeah. You look around and, and a lot, and that's so much of it is luck because people talk about, um, you know, why didn't they take this guy in this spot? Like there's a reason that guy also fell to 27th, like six, 26 other teams passed on that guy too. But Montrez Harrell at whatever it was, 32 or 33, um, when I'm pretty sure that they were going to take him if he had lasted to, they took RJ Hunter, then Montrez went, uh, like two or three picks later, and then they took Jordan Mickey right after that. Mm-hmm. They were going to take Montrez if, if the Clippers or who, who drafted Montrez? Or Rock, uh, why am I? Who drafted I think it's Montrez the Ro- I think the Rockets Rock might have, and then he the ends Rockets. up in yeah, LA. Yeah. Like it was like even yeah. a draft night trade. Yeah. Anyway, if 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 the Rockets had just been like someone else, and Montrez is on the Celtics, like you're in a, you're the sixth man of the year this year. He's really young and really good. Like they need kind of some draft luck, and all the picks they've had. It's surprising and really unlucky that they haven't really hit on them. Granted, most of them are mid to late firsts, but they've had a lot of swings and misses. Fortunately, their high picks they've done well with, and there are times where top five picks don't always go well either. And Jalen and Jason, um, you can even yeah. I'm up. trying to think of the last the last guy in in the twenties. Never mind the teens, because like teens, you could think about like a Terry Rosier or something like I that. I say Terry is probably yeah. their last like okay. hit. 
I'm trying to think of the last guy in the twenties that they really hit on. And, you know, maybe honestly, it could go back to like Avery Bradley, potentially. I'll tell you what, you guys think about that real quick, Evan, you can even cheat. You can look on the internet if you want. While My, I uh, take this quick break to tell you the wait, finally over, of course, football back. We uh, have reached the quarter mark of the season. You might not be at a game this year, we realize, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. NFL futures after this latest round of games here in week four, Chiefs, Perfect, unsurprisingly, plus 350 to repeat as Super Bowl champs. The Ravens, led by reigning MVP Lamar Jackson, plus 600. You got the Chiefs, plus 800. Rather, the uh, Seahawks, pardon me, plus 800. Russell Wilson having an MVP caliber year. Packers and that bleep you tour that continues for Aaron Rodgers, plus 850. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by Tom Brady at plus 1,200. The Patriots coming off that loss. And, of course, Cam Newton out with the coronavirus, plus 3,500. To win a championship, I mean, if ever there were an opportunity to lay a little bit of coin, thinking the seas were or uh, yep. bats were going to potentially hit plus thirty five hundred, because yep. that team with with Cam Newton, man, that's that's a win in Kansas City. Bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online you can get in on their season opening bonuses today start off wagering on win division and championship futures today as well head to bet online today take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses bet online your online sportsbook experts so as we are here with adam himmelsbach of the globe evan valenti adam kaufman you come up with anything evan well it depends on your definition of hit okay so it's a very <laughs> It's a little loose there, right? Um, it's not. It's not Jared Sullinger. If you're going to mention him, he didn't. Well, that, that's that's the well, that's the first one you got to talk about is Sullinger. Uh, I mean, if they'd given each one more a little more of a chance, maybe later on that becomes a, a real possibility. Um, what's up? Gershon. Well, Gershon wasn't. Yeah, I was going to say he doesn't really count. Delonte West at 24. Tony Allen at 25 is probably what you're looking at for hits. Yeah, I would, Tony I would, Allen, obviously. I would say Tony hit. Allen, probably the, the best one. That's up back in 04. But those draft, I'll go th- since Tony Allen in 04. He was 25th. Delonte was 24th. Al Jefferson at 15 was really solid. What year was uh, Bradley? Avery Bradley uh, comes up, I think, a little bit later in 2010. He's at 19. Oh, so okay. I thought he was in the 20s. So you got Orion Green, Ryan Gomes, Gerald Green, Randy Foy, the famous Gabe Pruitt pick, uh, Jeff Green, Shemi Erden, uh, um, J.R. Giddens, another good one, Lester Hudson, Luke Aaron Goaty, the pride of Notre Dame, uh, Etwan Moore, Marshawn Brooks, Chris Joseph, of course, of uh, Syracuse and Fab Mello, Jared mm-hmm. Sullinger, uh, James Young, everybody's favorite pick, Marcus Thornton, Jordan Mickey, R.J. Hunter, Abdul Nader, Benny Bentil, uh demetrius jackson this is a real walk uh, that's the thing too like we talk about even like we're talking about the 20s you look yeah. around the nba like there's a lot of good second round picks who have yeah got, even even like what they had the, those years like you i mean you're just rolling off the list of them evan where they had just multiple second round picks and yep just kind they of open oh, shout hit, out I mean, to nader though nader a contributor for the thunder that was yeah. I mean, look, that that just didn't hit in the right spot. You know, didn't hit with the right team. Um, what number was Robert Williams? Twenty seven, something like 27, that. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Jerry's still out there. Grant Williams at twenty two. Obviously, Jerry's still out there. Rob Would and Grant awesome. are two guys that look like good for their draft positions. I would say. Let's yeah. talk about well, Rob more because I'm I'm a big believer in Rob. I have been since they brought him in. Obviously, he fell for you know obvious reasons in that draft, but. You know, I just uh, – and the flashes that you alluded to that we've seen from him, I think he can be a really good NBA player. I thought last year that he was going to be the starter by the end of the season if if he stayed healthy, and who knows, maybe he would have been, but obviously he didn't stay healthy. I just – I really believe the ceiling for him is so high that, that I, I want him not to be gifted the job. I want him to earn it, but I want him to be the starting center on this team next year. Are are we reaching that point where where, you know, you can see that on the radar or is he still too far away to you? Uh, I don't know about too far away. Um, I think Tice was really good this year. I think people kind of took Tice for granted, honestly. Yeah, but I think that's true. If you're, if you're the Robert Williams fan club, you leave these playoffs encouraged. You forget he missed a good, good chunk of the season with that hip issue. Maybe that obviously is not good for his development, not good for just getting comfortable out there with this team. But after the restart and um, these playoff games, like – 
of course, there were times you didn't play at all. There were times you were like, Rob, what are you doing out there? But I thought it was the longest string of like encouraging moments for him that we've seen. Um, and he showed, you know, some of the things. And who doesn't love a guy that their head hits the rim, blocking a <laughs> shot, and like their elbows above the rim on an alley-oop. Like you can tell the other guy, like you see Kemba um, kind of like smiling when they would throw an alley-oop and smart throwing the lobs. Like he's a guy guys enjoy being out there with, it feels like. Um, for him, it's more a matter of getting comfortable in their system and not having kind of those puzzling moments where you're saying, Rob, what are you doing out there? You know, you, I mean, you saw kind of pick and pop schemes. He really struggled um, when an opposing big was out there uh, around the perimeter. That's something he'll have to work on this summer. But he has the tools. That's the thing. He's not a guy you really got like, oh, he could never do this physically. So I think, I think based on what you saw in Orlando, if you're a Rob guy, you should feel pretty good about where he's headed. So when Bob Ryan was on the show last week, he was uh, talking about how, you know, well, to him, I don't agree with this, but to him, the real X factor in that series loss in the East Finals was Goran Dragic. To me, it was Bam. Bam Adebayo just had his way with the Celtics on a regular basis. Not that you ever wish an injury upon a guy. It's too bad it came around later, though, against the Lakers as opposed to, you know, obviously against the Celtics. But you know, to Bob, he felt, and, and he just kept mentioning Aaron Baines. He's like, to me, they were just, they not specifically Baines necessarily, but an Aaron Baines type away from being able to contain, defend, win that series. Um, I'm not sure that Baines specifically was the guy, obviously, but I, I think that there, there is that, unless Williams grows into that guy in, in a metaphorical sense, not a physical sense, they need to address that need somehow because they're just, you know, the, the East is littered with uh, really athletic dominating bigs. Is that a need that needs to be addressed from the outside or are you confident with what they have from within as good as obviously Daniel Tice was last year? Well, so you could say that. And again, who doesn't want like a big powerful center who's able to stop an opposing team's big powerful center, but they literally had Aaron Baines on their team and <laughs> yeah, they did not win the five. They did not win the championship or get to the finals. You know, they had Aaron Baines and they had Al Horford. Like, it's yeah. just, sometimes it's not as simple as making a small tweak and then all of a sudden taking that next step. I think the difference is, again, we're talking earlier about potential and possibility. A guy like Baines, you know exactly who Baines is. Like, I take that back. Two years ago, you didn't know he was a three-point shooter. But <laughs> um, Robert Williams still has a lot of growth. And especially, this is just his second year. He's a young guy. He missed about half of it with this hip issue. He's another guy where you can look at and say, there's potential there. We need to unlock it. And this will be an important year, assuming he can stay healthy. I think this next year, he's on the court more. He's been through uh, meaningful playoff games as a contributor. I think this next year will be really important to get a better gauge on like where he is and what he might become. The thing with Rob, though, is Rob is not – I mean – Baines is just a burlier guy who's hard to move. I'm not sure if that's that's Rob. Rob is just like this real springing athlete who yeah, they're you not know, all, really. yeah, they're not, they're not. And my my problem with Rob is like you'd watch him, and there's really great stuff to Rob outside of the defensive stuff. Like he's an amazing passer. Like he's an incredibly efficient passer for a guy that you know checks out on defense all the time. He just it just surprises me sometimes with his vision. He, you know, that jump shot is a work in process and, and moving him out to 15 feet would be a really great thing. But I'm just not sure if he's a guy that's like an anchor guy in the middle, um, especially when he's just, just wants to block everything in the universe. I mean, that's his biggest problem with Ibaka is, you know, Ibaka would sh- just flash the head, the, the head fake and there goes Rob Williams 10 feet in the other direction and Ibaka's got a wide open three. So, you know, the ability for him to stay on the floor and stay grounded is going to be something I think that, that Rob looks forward to. And, and, and that's my biggest my biggest pet peeve with Rob is going to be staying down, staying grounded, knowing that your length and Rob is, you know, his wingspan is ridiculous. He is already tall as hell, but his wingspan's crazy. And he's, you know, pretty good at moving his feet and get out there and challenge a shot. And as much as we all want, you know, tackle fall to be something, I, I wouldn't count on him being anything other than a really gimmicky rotational player around his entire career. It's a worthwhile experiment. Don't get me wrong, but you know, they, they lack a guy and it's, and it feels like to me, like Tice is not really that guy. It's more 
it's more like Grant Williams to me as a guy that's like an anchor, a guy that's hard to move down to the post now, like a guy like Bam might have an easier time. But they do need – they miss a guy that, that has some gravity in the middle of the floor as a guy that's tough to move. And Baines would help in a, in a really, really big way. But when you look at biggest jump from a guy in the team internally, I actually go with Grant over everybody else. Because if Grant were able to just – I mean, we saw it in the playoffs – the guy started hitting threes after what he was over twenty whatever his first twenty whatever attempt twenty five shots in the league and he shot what barely twenty percent from three point range for the regular season all of a sudden started really drilling shots and stepping into them with confidence and you could see there was a real excitement around the team that that Grant could start hitting shots and especially because this team loves to play small I mean it's just the way they're built because they don't have a lot of bigs anyway. There's a team that loves to play small. They love to play Marcus Smart on anybody. It doesn't matter how tall they are. Kemba Walker is obviously a 5'10 point guard. It has its own limitations. They have two wing players. They're two best players in the team. And, you know, sometimes when you have a small team playing to your strengths, kind of like Houston does, like with, you know, not playing a center at all. I don't even think they have a center on the roster at this point and having PJ Tucker be their center, quote unquote. And it's been effective. You know, it's hard. We don't know if there's a sample size of a, of a whole season where that's an effective ploy, but we saw it sort of effective with arguably the greatest one-on-one player, not just in the NBA today, but in NBA history and James Harden and how they were able to manipulate things. So I look at this team and you look at the, just the way the roster is set up and, and Rob would make a big deal. Don't get me wrong. But I think Grant, if Grant could knock down threes at a better clip, get more comfortable in the defensive system, I think he could be a bigger uh, piece for Boston next season than Rob would, Adam, in my opinion. So I think I think um, Grant is a huge part for next year. Um, like I said, Romeo, because I think what we've seen from Grant was really good. Um, and the trust Brad had him, like, granted, Bam had his way with everybody, but there was that stint, it was game six, I believe, where Grant went out and was kind of like the first guy to actually slow down Bam for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that <laughs> probably should have left him out there. <laughs> he did it in high school. Yeah, he beat him in the state championship game. But uh, what we saw from Grant, I think, is kind of what he is, which could be a really solid player. But I think Romeo has um, more potential upside. You might be like, two years from now, wow, I didn't know Romeo could do that. Whereas I think two years from now, we'll still we'll see Grant doing playing very similarly to what we saw in these playoffs. It would be better if he can shoot threes like he did in the playoffs as opposed to how he did in last whatever month it would have been <laughs> November. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think yeah. I mean, I think Grant is, uh, you know, Brad, Brad has said it a number of times. I think Grant is kind of Al Horford light. You know, he's a guy that's is sturdy. He does the right things, high basketball IQ. He's probably going to, you know, hang around the NBA in a, at a strong complimentary role for 10, 15 years. And, you know, help some teams, but he's never going to be a star. He's never going to be an all-star, but he's just going to be a good, solid player and contributor, which is nothing to scoff at, obviously. Yep. Looking at the... Um, He'll have a bigger role next year, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Look, look at the payroll next year, because, again, so many of the questions about the future revolve around that. And, you know, so most of these guys are under contract. Trades are unpredictable, so who knows? But Gordon with the player option... Daniel Tice, his $5 million is not guaranteed. Um, that will be guaranteed. I was going to say, you might as well guarantee that right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I, Breaking I agree. News. But, but just look, technically, it is not right now guaranteed. Uh, nor Javante Green, he's not guaranteed. Uh, Ennis Cantor is maybe one of the bigger questions in the sense that uh, he's got a, uh, what, his uh, player option? The player team? option. Player option. And, you know, reading his social media post at the end of the year, it sort of read like a goodbye to me, but maybe it was just an appreciation for his time in Boston. I don't know. Uh, but I'll be fascinated it, with Cantor to see how he – because he was really happy here. Yeah. I wrote about this a little bit last week. Like, he was really happy here, and he's a guy that he's so outspoken and obviously has causes off the court that are very important to him. And Boston was a place that like embraced that. It felt like a lot more than someplace like Oklahoma city would have. Yeah. Um, Utah. And like, you know, you see him with state senators and getting recognized at various kind of things like that and going on protests. Like it, it felt like that was important to him. I don't know how that factors into a decision about his future. Um, and I think he liked being on a winning team. And I think he liked this group of guys, but you can't, 
get past the fact that there were games where he just didn't play at all. And you have right. to think he's looking at that being like, all right, is there really an opportunity for me here next year? Well, so my question was, you know, just in, in outlining that, and it's it's a guessing game, and uh, Shemi Ojale, another guy who's not guaranteed for, for next year, who do you believe is not back next season? Uh, I mean, I hate predicting guys being, like, waived or whatever, but I, I would guess uh, Javante Green is probably not back. Um, you know, I'll be – like, I'll be curious what they end up trying to do with Poirier, honestly. Like, he's fully guaranteed, I believe, for next year. Yep, 2.6. That was just – you're talking about kind of swings and misses. Like, that was a pretty big miss. He was a guy they were hopeful that would be able to come in and give them, you know, center minutes off the bench. Um, I'm trying to think. Wanamaker probably won't be back, but – Yeah, he's not under contract. Fan. He's a free agent. Right. Um I think he's restricted, like, uh, so you'd have to offer him a qualifying offer, but it's a matter of do you want to give Tremont Waters a chance maybe as our backup point guard? Do you see enough from him uh, in the G League and the stints in the NBA? But, like, there's no doubt Brad Stevens made it very clear throughout the year he's a Wanamaker guy. But maybe Wanamaker, you know, had some good moments. Maybe he says, hey, I, I see a better opportunity elsewhere, and he goes and looks for it, so. It's hard to say towards the toward the bottom of the roster, guys like that. Ojale is another one, like you said, he's uh, not guaranteed. Like he hasn't necessarily taken the leap, but I don't think anybody was really expecting a leap. His three point shooting was a lot better this year. He shot like thirty eight percent. Brad still trusted him um, defensively. It's a matter of like, is this kind of what we're going to get from Shemi, and do we? Kind of like you were talking about earlier, do we maybe just kind of try to reshuffle things in this area a little bit more and give someone else a shot? Jenny, we're talking about draft guys. That's probably, what was he, 45th pick overall? Yeah, somewhere in there. That's not a yeah, bad hit at 45th. For where overall. they got him, he, he was a hit. Yeah. We'll, Might we'll, not we'll be count that one as a hit. long for the team. I mean, just finished up his third year, and obviously if he only makes it three and gone, he's probably not a hit hit, but yeah. Serviceable, for sure. 37th. I just pulled it up. Not bad. 37th. It, yeah. yeah. Worth worth the risk at that. Forty fifth was Marcus Thornton. Remember that? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Remember from, the uh, Marcus Thornton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What college is he from? Like UNC Greensboro or something? I forget. William and Mary, I believe. That's it. And it was a green team. I just couldn't remember exactly which one. Um, I guess uh, if you know, there's only so much you can do. We've talked about this a million times, and I guess I'm going to put you in the hot seat a little bit here in terms of like I want you to really shuffle the deck for me. Outside of Tatum and Brown, because those two guys are off limits in my opinion, and I'll defend that till I'm dead. Um, <laughs> what if you had a swing for the fences for a player? Because like obviously the the Victor Oladipo stuff comes out, Miles Turner's coming out. You know Chris Paul's getting dealt. You know if all the guys, if you could pick any guy to add to this roster with Tatum and Brown, throw me a guy. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, my guy would be to hope that Giannis gets disgruntled. Demands a trade. Oh, yeah, okay. And yeah. then throw everything at Giannis. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't like just throwing names out there, honestly, because then next thing you know, there's a headline saying Celtics have interest in this guy or whatever. But, right. The aggregators. Uh, uh, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. There's – and I, I just feel like – I look at this team. I look at what is going on around them. I don't – again, we all agree they don't need much. Um, But there's got to be – at least a, a, a guy in the margins, right? So I said this to Bob Ryan last week. You know, Boston got beat not because, you know, Tatum and Brown weren't great. They were both pretty solid. They got beat in the margins. They got beat by guys like, you know, uh, Duncan Robinson, who, you know, pride of Williams College. Uh, they got beat by Tyler Hero, who was a draft pick and a rookie that hit really well. Uh, Jay Crowder had a couple of the big games. You know, uh, Olenek had some moments, quote-unquote. You know, Dragic was really great. They got beat not by their best guy or the second-best guy, but it was the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth guy. And that's where I'm looking at for Boston to make a big improvement. And maybe that's just Hayward's healthy and Kemba's healthy and they're ready to rock and roll again. It seems like that's where you're at. Like, let's just run it back with mostly the same team. And, you know, if you get some improvements from a couple of the guys, then this team has every opportunity back in the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals conversation, and that's all you can ask for with this team. I think if it, I think it's it's always a lot easier to say, oh, we need to go get, let's let's go get this guy, um, and and then we'll then we'll win the championship. Like it's just not even remotely 
that simple. And I think they do have the pieces in place. Again, if Tatum and Jalen keep ascending, which I believe they will, then you the pieces in place to be the best team in the East. Hayward's health will be so important. Kemba's knee will be important. If, if all things go well, though, and you're going to need some help, like and other teams are going to have injuries or you're going to have injuries, but if, if, if things kind of fall in place with this group, Grant Williams takes that next step. Robert Williams takes that next step. Like, I don't see a need for any kind of blowing it up or kind of restarting and reshuffling the deck with this group. At some point that day will come, and, you know, like obviously Kemba has – I don't know. It's, Kemba is a tough one because I feel like we, we saw bursts of what he is, and then, it, and then we kind of forgot about it because um, I think this knee was a real issue for him really throughout the second half of the season – into this postseason, but he's a guy that people forget. Like when he's right, like if you if you go back to his games from like November, he was phenomenal. If you can get like old Kemba back, like they're really not, this really is a team that was two wins from being in the NBA Finals with these various kind of maladies and things holding them back. Granted, the other part, I feel like the other disclaimer we need to throw out there is that this year was almost unlike. Well, not even yeah. almost. It's unlike anything we've ever seen, like, yeah. and we will never see again, most likely, unless we see it again literally six months from now. But, <laughs> like, the Heat, if the Heat had to win at Milwaukee, like, in a series, I, I, don't, I don't think many people think they're going to take home court away. You know, the Celtics could easily have lost to the Raptors if they had to play home court. Like, these playoffs, I also don't think are necessarily the best gauge of where teams are at. But everything you're saying about Kemba, and we're, you know, short on time, we won't you know, drill on this too much longer. And there's no part of me, by the way, that's advocating getting rid of Kemba Walker. I love Kemba Walker. But my question is, you know, to your point about everything that, that just happened over the course of this season, like he suffers that injury in what January it lingers throughout, you know, bleeds into the all-star game and misses time around that. And then, you know, all throughout the, the, pandemic stoppage four plus months of not playing and comes back and and that knee injury is right right there well that stoppage and and granted that time where you can't do anything you can't be with the training staff you can't train you can't work out do anything that isn't solo or I guess in his case with Grant Williams's roommate there but that stoppage was longer than what this stoppage between seasons projects to be I'm having a hard time believing that that knee injury isn't going to be right there still lingering when next season tips off. No, I I agree that it's a concern. Um, And this, this was an issue for him in Charlotte too. And the Celtics were aware of it. Like we never made a big deal when he had his knee drained this year. And he told us, he's like, yeah, I had my knee drained in Charlotte before too. Just I was in Charlotte and people didn't make a big deal out of it there basically. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it's a, it's going to be an important um, thing for them moving forward. And Danny talked about that on his conference call last week. He said, look, we're going to come up with a plan in these next couple of weeks with our medical staff and him to try to make this right. Maybe they don't, you know, he's a guy who's in his thirties now. Uh, it's, a, it, it's not like, Oh, I, I, they, they don't think I'll need surgery, but it, it's, it sounds like wear and tear for a guy that has been playing his entire life kind of all out and doing these step backs and, like movement is so essential for him. He's not a spot up shooter who just stands in the corner. Uh, it's, it's wear and tear. And whenever that's the case and whenever it's a knee, you have some concern. And I think um, the Celtics certainly do, but are hopeful that whatever kind of plan they can come up with. And, and I think you made a good point, Adam, in terms of uh, the pandemic, like while he had that time off, it wasn't like, all right, I'm in a facility every day training or getting treatment. Like they're, was a big gap time where, like you said, nobody's really doing anything. But nobody knows. Like, Kemba doesn't know. You know, there's days he wakes up and it feels like crap, and I'm sure that's what we saw, how frustrating that is for him. Evan, any final thoughts? I just I want to point out, I think Adam made a great point about how I think a lot of people are putting a lot of stock into the craziest NBA playoffs and the most strangest NBA playoffs of all time. Um where things could have been completely different and there are a different set of problems, you know, if, if they can play at home with fans be just different. So maybe Adam's like, Hey, just maybe not do so much because you're going to get better internally. And, you know, you're two games away from the NBA finals. Maybe we don't need to go so crazy here. 
Like don't overreact to the strangest time in NBA history, potentially like obviously evaluate and look at things where you could make some improvements, but acknowledge that becoming better externally is going to be really hard because of how strapped they are. And, you know, embrace the fact that at least be, you know, happy the fact that you have two young players that are, you know, borderline NBA all-stars, borderline all NBA teams. You have Kemba Walker, who, when he's right is really great. And Gordon Hayward, when he's right is really great. And just ride that again. And maybe we're all overreacting. And maybe that's why Adam is the columnist for the, or at least the beat writer for the, uh, the Boston Celtics. And you and I are just talking about Adam. It might just be, that's the way it is. But uh, I just, the one thing I think that people are overreacting to is that it's like, Oh, we have to do all these things. I don't think so. I think Adam might be right on this one. Like, Oh yeah. React accordingly, but don't go crazy. And just have faith that you have the right group together under the right staff. And, you know, next year will be next year. I mean, you're going to have a lot of, you'll have more questions next year that you'll have to answer too. So I think it's interesting. I think with the thing with Danny and you've seen this, like he always, he stays ready. I don't think his feeling on this off season is I need to retool this roster. It's more, he stays ready for everything. We didn't think in a million years they were going to trade for Kyrie Irving that summer. Um, yeah. We didn't think he'd become available. What, but when he did become available, the Celtics like snapped into action. I don't anticipate anything like that happening this summer, but I, if you'd asked me that summer if I anticipated that happening, I would have said no as well. Um, but I think the more likely situation is they'll kind of have their, have their whatever, ears open or however you'd phrase it. Um, and if there's a chance to make a substantial upgrade out of the blue that nobody was anticipating – they go for it because they always go for it or make a call at least because um, they always make that call. But I don't, I think that's different than saying, all right, summer's here. We need to kind of tear this down and start over because that's not going to happen. Evan, if you could, uh, all those times that you've said over the last little while, Adam made a great point. Adam was absolutely right. If you as the producer of this program could snip some of those out for, for drops for future shows, I think very important. Obviously. The, problem, the problem is I'm talking about Himmelsbach, not you. Oh, that's, that's what it problem. was. That's what it is. Just real uh, quick before we go here, yeah. the pride of Syracuse, New York, Brianna Stewart just won an NBA, uh, WNBA championship. So. Oh, wow. Hey, very they nice. Absolutely smacked the aces. I think it's 92-59, the final of the, of the last game there. So shout out Cicero, to Syracuse. Uh, Cicero, North Syracuse graduate. Another, Cicero, North Syracuse High School. That's it. Another professional season in the books. It's just the NBA that we're waiting on, and then it's going to be all NFL all the time, and I guess PGA as well. With that in mind, Adam, before we let you go, the uh, Lakers going to take this thing in five or six? Uh, good question. Uh, I'll say six, but I literally have no idea. <laughs> you don't have to. You covered the Celtics. Adam Himmelsbach does a phenomenal job, obviously, at the Boston Globe. Good friend of this program. Always appreciate the uh, generosity with his time as well as we look ahead to the future. It's going to be a, well, it could be a long off season, especially with next season not projecting to begin until January. And at least we have a draft date though, November, November yeah, 18th. So we got that to look. I hope they trade all the picks, every single one of them, <laughs> every single one. This show powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today for your free sign up bonus for Evan Valenti. I'm Adam Kaufman, Adam Himmelsbach. Thank you so much, sir. No problem. See you guys later. All right, everybody. Enjoy. We'll talk to you again next week.